how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Ian Canning has an impressive resume. Currently his films include Hunger, The King's Speech, Shame, Slow West, Life, Macbeth, Widows, and now Mary Magdalene. In the latest film, Rooney Mara stars as Mary Magdalene with Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus. Directed by Garth Davis and written by Helen Edmondson and Philippi Goslett, the movie showcases a different point of view on the classic biblical tale. In this exclusive interview, Canning discusses his love for film, what he looks for in a project, the connection between journalism and true story films, emotionally sensitive endings, the responsibility of filmmakers, and how to create an amazing team around you. If you enjoyed this interview, join thousands of viewers for the new YouTube series, also called Creative Principles, which dissects new films, series, and more. I grew up in the West Country, in the UK, um, and um, wanted to work in, I guess, you know, sometimes never that specific. I wanted to work in media of some sort, so probably I'd work in television, uh, things primarily, um, because that's where there was some local work. And then I ended up, um, Kenneth Branagh um, had a production company called Renaissance, which was run by a producer called Stephen Evans, um, who had made uh, Men's King George and, and um, Henry V and um, Peter's Friends and a whole much of nothing incredible British period dramas. And um, Kenneth Brown had left the company, but Stephen was still running it, and I joined there making cups of tea and coffee and photocopying scripts and ended up working my way through that company and then a couple of jobs later ended up producing or executive producing putting the finance together on a couple of films and then ended up setting up Cecil with Amin Sherman who was my producing partner and that was just uh, over 10 years ago. But you're known for some uh, some darker or some deeper films. Um, what attracts you to a screenplay or is it more about the group of collaborators you'll be working with? I think we're always trying to find something that says something about who we are, I think. So, um, you know, it ranges. We, we've, we've got something, you know, we, we've, we, you have a film like The King's Speech, which is um, about self-confidence and about um, stepping up when you need to and about friendship as well in many ways. You have that. And then the, the other side of it, we, we made this, uh, I think wonderful interpretation of Macbeth, which is playing the story from the perspective that Macbeth has witnessed so much war that 
he is unable through, you know, some form of PTSD to come back into the world and separate the reality of war from the reality at home. Uh, and, you know, I think that's timely too. So I think it, the, the filmmakers take us to magical places in terms of tone. But for us, it's about trying to tell a story that, that reflects who we are and the world today. Are these films harder to get made in terms of finding a budget? Um, or, or is that, you know, is that the main goal is to kind of lower the expenses to make the most, you know, realistic film you can? Um, I think, um, I think for us, every, the film business is, television is different and we have a TV side to our company, but with film, I think, you're basically starting up a new business with every film. It's a new company, a new group of people, a new a new story, a new uh, side of yourself that you're sort of exploring. Um, and then you have to start all over again with a new story and a new film. So um, it's it's how um, how other people see those projects as commercially viable and whether people uh, respond to the story. Um, and we've been lucky enough to consistently making films since you know in the 10 years that we've we've been going so um i hope that continues but in the end you cannot keep on making films um if you don't um have a level of success with those films that that people are inspired by so um uh, otherwise it, it becomes the film side of the film business rather than the business side so i think that um thankfully we've we've had a set of films that have connected with audiences and as a result people continue to support us but we we are incredibly thankful for that support every single time are there some other aspects you look to like for example in the in the film life um we know james dean but we may not know dennis stock and then and then at this you know your new film we're seeing kind of Mary's, um, Mary Magdalene's perspective. Are you looking for films to some degree where the audience has some knowledge about the topic and you're, and you're showing a new angle? Is that something you kind of look for in a script? I think when people, when, when, when people bought a lot more newspapers than they uh, read news online or read features online, I would always say that what you would love about any film story is that a newspaper would print a sort of exploratory piece on the world of that story, not as a sort of necessarily a piece of the film, but more, um, you know, for a time we were, we were um, looking at making a film about Los Alamos, for example. You can definitely see that with a film coming out, people would explore the importance and the, and the tales around Los Alamos before a film would come out. And I always felt that that was, that was sort of a wonderful way of, of seeing how an audience could be pulled into wanting to tell the story. But, you know, also, as someone told me recently, which I hadn't really put together, is we make a lot of, we make a lot of uh, true story films. And um, I had studied journalism at university, so I hadn't really put those two things together, but um, that seems like a pretty strong correlation. What do you think, uh, you know, now in hindsight, what are kind of the advances there? Do you like to get as, you know, as close to the truth as possible um, when you're looking at scripts and that kind of thing? Or what's, what are the other advantages about that journalistic viewpoint? 
Well, look, it's very different when you're in film than being a journalist. Um, but I think, I think from a film perspective, what you want to do is you want to, um, you want to maintain the essence. You want the, the thing that I feel from a filmmaker, you, you're always slightly manipulating is, is the time scale of things. And I think that as long as that is sort of agnostic to the relationship and how other people who may be alive, you know, the King's Speech happens over 10 years, but we do the time jump between the first scene and the second scene. Um, and no one back, back an eyelid at that. So I, I think you, you, you can take a little bit of a liberty. I, think, I don't think you can... Um, I don't think you can really, um, you know, there's, there's, there's stories which have endings that are very emotionally sensitive for a lot of people. I don't think you can play with that to your own, uh, I, I don't, I don't think you can take those sorts of shifts lightly, um, you know, if someone has has died um, at the end of your story, there's there's a lot of pain normally around things like that. So you, you've got to be as, as truthful as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And also, I have to say, we have very, very... We protect and we maintain and we see an incredibly huge responsibility for us to bring everybody on the journey with us. So that they're not just confronted uh, by a, a film that they've had no part in in a cinema where there's no one there on their own watching it, worrying about how everyone's going to react to their story. You, you've got to take everybody on the journey. And the most impactful screening we've ever had as a company was when the um, the family of Saru and Sue and John Briley all watched Lion for the first time as a final version they'd seen previous cuts and pieces and been around set and everything but to see them they you know they started sitting in separate places because i don't know whether you've seen lion but you know the real saru is like cool and he doesn't want to stay with his mum and dad and like it's you know go you do stay over there and i'm going to sit here when we came and the lights went up at the end and we tentatively walked in, they were all embracing each other in the middle of the cinema. They'd all moved closer together and all was sort of having that emotional connection with each other. And it was, it was, it's a lucky, the lucky part of our business that we can sometimes make films that bring people together. It certainly sounds like it's a, definitely a major responsibility taking on these, these movies as well. How do you, what kind of advice do you have for people looking to, uh, find a script or write a script? Like, how do they make it as authentic as possible? What is some of your advice there? You've got to have a clear understanding of structure. But within that structure, you've got to find the poetry. And sometimes that poetry comes from the detail of research and interviews and being around people and understanding that. If you're, if you're a writer-director and that poetry is already in your soul, then I think that's an amazing thing. But if you're taking on a historical subject, a biblical subject, anything, a, a true journalistic piece of article that you've seen that you you want to adapt into a film, some of the most extraordinary surprises come from the research. So where did this story come about? What Or what led you to um, 
as, as your as your company make Mary Magdalene um, like at this time in history, I guess. We had made a set of films that had male protagonists, um, and so we were trying to fast track a set of stories um, that did not exclusively have male protagonists, um, and. Um, and we also are just very aware cinematically of film cineasts and film fans that um, biblical stories in cinema have been extraordinary. Um, and we went into starting to think about Mary Magdalene being um, as ignorant, it, it being ignorant in many ways that the story would be the prostitute Mary Magdalene story. And so to, to, to come into that research and then find that there was a whole different side of her story that we could we could you know add to the the canon of material, um, but but make it about her not being a prostitute, which is far smaller a group of pieces of material than the prostitute story. Just felt very compelling, um, and we started working with a, the uh, the two screenwriters the first person who started the first draft of Helen Edmondson, she she just connected with the opportunity to pull a little from the, the stories around the uh, discovery of the Gospel of Mary, but then also to go into a, a very deep cultural research phase where she could write about the families surrounding um, somebody like Mary Magdalene so that we could um, play out a sort of cultural story as well as a biblical story. So for this story, where you're you're kind of shifting to your first, you know, female protagonist. At what point did you like uh, kind of start to do casting? When did you reach out to Rooney Mara? How did how did people kind of come into the script? Rooney Mara had um, worked with Garth on Lion on his first feature, so they had a relationship, and um, so it was very. It was very simple in that Garth um, got in contact with Rooney and said, you know, no pressure, incredibly um, demanding role. Um, would you read it and um, see if you're attracted to, to coming on board? And she immediately did. And I think um, saw the potential of um, how it could be a film um that could be very, unfortunately, very progressive um, about um, female uh, stories, um, well, you know, female perspectives within the, the, the Jesus Bible, um, Bible journey, and then also um, uh, a, a great role as well. I mean, that's that's what it has to be. It's not all about the, the reaction of what happens to the film afterwards. It's got to be, speak to somebody's heart. And it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's not often you get to make a film which very much at its core is about love and forgiveness and and um, understanding and and to be a part of that. So, yeah, we were thrilled when Rini said that she was wanting to be involved. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly a beautiful film. Uh, I'm looking at your IMDb page now. It looks like I mean, you've got so many uh, current listings for 2018, 2019. 
TV shows and movies, how do you kind of go about balancing um, this work and how do you, you know, I guess I put equal, you know, work or, or, or something like that into each project from your perspective? It's definitely changed over the years as we've grown as a company. I mean, I'm, it's not just me and it's not just my producing partner, Emil. We, there's over 25 people at Cecil and everyone is uh, excellent. And so... Um, we were a real, you know, we had our 10th anniversary recently and, and organized a trip for us all to, um, go to the, um, go to Port Douglas in, in Australia. And I think it's, it's about everyone being a part of the same journey, really, and the part of sort of telling films that hopefully matter, that say something about the world and, on, you know, never violence for violence's sake or, or anything like that. And I think um, we luckily work with incredible, we work with Liz Watts on Mary Magdalene, uh, who produced the film with us and, and is an incredible partner and and um, sees the same film we do. So we, we try and, we're, we're not sort of obsessively um, feel that we're the only presence that is going to make a film successful. It's a real team effort, and we just try and find people with the same vision. We've certainly got um, a lot of great you know, credits to your name. I don't really speak to a lot of producers, so one of my other questions, um, how do you kind of start to delegate and find the right team members to kind of help you expand your, your and your partner's overall vision? Like how do you find those people and then decide they're right for the team? Oh, I don't know. You just um, feel it in your bones, I think. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, whether you like it or not, you're probably finding, trying to find people who have the same taste as you or the same um, instincts as you. But I think also the other thing for that is the core values, I think, have to be the same. I think the other thing is, is that is that the one thing you learn a lot by making film and television over a period of time is that whatever the reason, people have excelled in certain ways at certain aspects of the film journey. Mm. So somebody could be incredible at developing scripts, but they're, you know, just not the right person to do something else within the, within the journey. And so um, I think there's a producerial spirit, which is pretty, which is, by the way, there's very different sets of producers. Um, but I think in the way that we produce, we just try and find like how, how does everyone, you sort of find over the years that line producers have very similar mentality, that casting directors have very similar mentality. And there's, of course, differences in people. Everyone knows there's an individual, but at a core base, they're their own artist. Um, and I think you're just trying to find that in people. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. 
Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.